I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. So, can you fuck off? (laughs) I know you've been drinking Stella in the shower, but... Hi, I'm chef, restaurant owner and music fan Paul Ainsworth and this is Nice Forks and Tunes, the podcast where we ask the all-important questions. Dream dinner party menu, playlist and of course, who's invited. Every episode's cooking tips and party playlists are available in the show description. My guest this week is Michelin-starred chef, best mate, Tom Kerridge. In 2005, Tom opened his gastropub, The Hand and Flowers, which gained its first Michelin star in 2006 and then got its second Michelin star in 2012, making it the first pub ever to hold two Michelin stars. Then in 2017, Kerridge's Marlowe pub, The Coach, was awarded a Michelin star. Tom has appeared on The Great British Menu, MasterChef, Saturday Kitchen, and more recently fronted his own series, How to Lose Weight for Good, Top of the Shop, and Tom Kerridge Barbecues. In the past, he's also presented Bake Off, Creme de la Creme, and the absolutely iconic food and drink, He's also British GQ Chef of the Year. Mate, <laughs> welcome to Nice Forks and Tunes. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. I mean, that is what an exceptional introduction that is. I, I was listening to all of that. I was thinking, that is amazing, mate. And a bit about that. The thing that I'm most proud of is a bit where you said best mate. And I, and I love that. <laughs> However, this is how shit a best mate I am. I've never listened to this podcast before. <laughs> so uh, I'll take all of them awards and all them plaudits. Thanks very much. And best mate, I'll have it. But... What goes on here? Right, <laughs> we we are gonna. It's because you're the busiest man. Like like I, I think in, or the shittest best I think, mate. I think during that bio, you possibly opened a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I thought Jason Averton was that was was the man, but I think during that, since I've been speaking, you've opened a restaurant. Well, you say that, <laughs> but in current climate, we could have closed two as well. <laughs> <laughs> right, mate, this is really simple. It's well, well, I know it's two of your greatest loves, food and music. Yeah. Used to be drink, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I I've been with you through quite a bit of that time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd love to say drink is still my favourite thing. I mean, I drink, but it's it's none of it is alcoholic. None of it is mind-changing apart from caffeine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, we're going to talk to you about a dinner party. Yeah. First of all, these questions are crazy because I know most of the answers, but do you love a dinner party? <laughs> well, <laughs> I've been to most of them. Uh, yeah, i got to be honest, <laughs> the idea of a dinner party is my worst fucking nightmare. Like, the, like, why would I want to do a dinner party at my house? I mean, I, like, I, when you come over with your lovely wife, Emma, right? That's fine. We stay, we hang out, we do something. We normally go for dinner. Like, the idea of being on a day off as a chef and then cooking and having a dinner party is like my worst nightmare. Why would I want to do that? I mean, I do that every day. I go into restaurants 
us the whole time, like trying to run it. Massive dinner parties every lunch and dinner for loads of people. Why would I want to do it again if I had a night off in my own house? I'd, I'd, in all honesty, I'd rather order a curry. However, for this podcast, I'm very happy to entertain the idea that I'm, I'd love to host a dinner party and I can't wait to have you and some make-believe guests over. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Tre- I'm going to ask you all the questions which I know you... <laughs> Absolutely hate. Right? <laughs> Would you like people to dress up? Would there be a dress code? <laughs> Absolutely no dress code. Like, Not a black tie. Oh my god! I can't think of anything worse. The idea, of, like I've spent my whole life leaving. Sc- I left school right at fifteen with very little in the way of qualifications, trying so hard to not have to have a job where I've got to wear a shirt and tie, right? So then the idea of going to like... Now, we're very lucky, both of us, that, you know, we we, we found a position in our life in, in hospitality where we've done okay, and you get invited to award ceremonies, and they're so nice to go to, and you support the industry and all that, but the idea of dressing up, like, in a black tie event, right? I mean, honestly, it's my worst nightmare. In fact, the last three black tie events I've gone, I've just gone in a fucking T-shirt, like, I know. I was cooking at one of them. I know. <laughs> and I was that's, like, this is like, he's Tom Carey, Judy he does what he wants. <laughs> so, I mean, don't get me wrong. I had a, it was a, it was a bespoke suit that I had on, right? But it wasn't, but it was kind of like a canvas thing with just like, it was, it was made to look like. You did look, you did look sharp. Well, you say that. I had a lot of people go, how does that constitute his black tie? I mean, it don't really matter. It costs more than you hired yours from Moss Bros, mate. Like, it doesn't mean, really, like, I honestly, I'm more comfortable than you. I see you after the starter taking your tie off and your jacket going, this is the worst idea ever, and undoing your trousers because um, you've obviously bought, you know, 34 inch waist where you're not anymore. Like, let's yeah, be honest. Yeah. So uh, you, uh, you wear this suit once a year, right? And every year you put on a couple more pounds and now you're going oh my god I can't fit into this again and you still force yourself to wear it to go to the awards do whereas I've just gone nice and comfy I even had trainers on yeah I, I mean, know. I thought you mate, you look sharp. Yeah, thank you. Look you. Sharp. So no, there's absolutely no dress code. Come what you want, wearing what you want. You can wear shorts, flip flops. You can wear a football shirt. You can wear what. I mean, if you want to wear a black tie, if you want to feel like you're taking the wife out, and you know you're going to go, right? Why don't you put on something nice? You know that lovely dress that you like to wear, like every once. Feel free, turn up in that. You could wear your wife's dress. I don't care. <laughs> like, but in all honesty. Oh, Zero dress code. I like the sound of that. I might actually do that. <laughs> Paul, I've met your wife. You'd never fit in her dress, mate. Oh, yeah. There's absolutely no chance. Right, now, for those... For Mo- the, moving on. Moving on. <laughs> for, moving those, on. for those of you to listen now... Queen I, do, arse, it do, never fit. <laughs> do not be... I know he sounds like Derek Trotter describing Rodney with two GCEs and, and, this, and this bumpkin accent that you can hear, but... He, this is a very intellectual man. Do not be fooled by this uh, by this facade. <laughs> um, right, dinner party. Mm. Where where are we having it? Uh, probably at my house. Yeah. To be honest, because then yeah. no one would like go like because if the guests that you're inviting, quite a few, they might be quite well known. And I mean, you have it. You're at that point where you're having dinner, and someone goes, "I really don't. Sorry, I really don't mean to interrupt. I don't mean to be rude and interrupt you whilst you're out with your family." but can I have a selfie? And you're going, I know you don't mean to be rude, and I am out with my family, <laughs> but you have interrupted me. It is rude, and I am out with my family. <laughs> so I'm afraid, no, we're not going to do a selfie. However, because we're really nice, you just go, yes, of course. So I'd want to avoid any of that awkwardness. Also, one of my guests, I, th- I mean, there's actually quite a few of them would be quite rude back, so I don't want to ruin everybody else's night. <laughs> so we'd hide away, we'd have it at my house. I'm quite lucky. I've got, an, uh, I've got a great big table in a nice big house that overlooks the river. We'd all sit around that. Well... 
before giving it away, one of your guests could literally just bang his stick on the floor and create <laughs> <laughs> and just create mass lightning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean <laughs> to be honest, I feel that I feel that that answer is is the start of this. Feels like this is going to be a bit of Tom Carriage therapy today. Yeah, <laughs> there's a few things in here that we're going to move on to, and yeah. that was one of them, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I looked at the guest list. I've gone actually. This could be. This could get quite dark. Yeah, I got, I mean, this, this might not be that for much fun. This could be like, well, the first person in front of me. That's dark. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, it, it's Skeletor. Yeah. In fact, look, look, let's just get straight to it. Let's, who's at the table? So, I mean, should, you want me to tell... Uh, I want you to, I want you to, yeah, every guest and right. why you picked them. Well, <laughs> Skeletor, right? Yeah. From, like, He-Man. He-Man, yeah. Yeah, cause, because I quite like cartoons and those characters. I quite like the dark side of life. I quite like the people. I always like the evil baddies in movies and things. And, and Skeletor, one, he's quite funny. Yeah. Two, you know, I have a bit of sympathy for him because he never wins. Um, three, He-Man, I kind of get He-Man, but he's so clean and so clean cut. And Prince Adam, right, in that car, is the he's the ultimate dullest man on earth, right? Yeah. If you were to meet him in real life, you go, I mean, he clearly goes to the gym a lot, but he is so boring. He is yeah. the last person. So I want the anti-He-Man. I want anti-Prince Adam. That's Skeletor. I think he'd be quite good fun. Yeah. So Skeletor's in there. I'm totally with you. I See, I feel that answer is exactly like... If I picked Karate Kid, I'd want Johnny, not Danny LaRusso. Danny LaRusso is He-Man. Yeah. He is the good guy, but he is a prick. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Skeletor. It could be Skeletor. It could be Freddy Krueger. I would take Freddy Krueger. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he'd be quite good. Uh, Jason from Friday the 13th, I'd have him. You yeah. Know, uh, you know. Mumra. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that would be quite that'd a be cool a good, one. That'd be a good like show, wouldn't anything it? Anything like that, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so those sort of characters, I think that would be quite interesting to have around the table. Mumra is Thundercats, isn't it? Mumra is yeah. Thundercats, yeah. What a theme tune. All right, so my, my little man starts, uh, my, uh, honestly, he watches Thundercats all the time. Like <laughs> cartoons from when I was a kid. Yeah. He's like watching it. He's like, it's actually quite scary. My little man, yeah. he's only five, and he's, he's what, it might explain why he's so violent with me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, I do think our cartoons were pretty good because, I mean, now the Night Garden. Yeah. If anyone's ever watched The Night Garden, I mean, yeah. whoever made that was definitely taking something. Yeah. Like. yeah, they found some mushrooms in The Night Garden, took them, and then, yeah. and then, and then created their dreams. Yeah. <laughs> right, so first up, Skeletor. Great choice. Yeah, next up... Um, so I'm a massive, massive uh, Oasis fan. So I'm, I'm obviously a, a chef that grew up cooking in the 90s uh, and come from a working-class background. And, and so Oasis kind of like hit the scenes you know supersonic that first track that they released for me it was just like this energy this attitude of like working class kids doing stuff with like not caring yeah and actually being really good and liam's voice um is, is like the iconic voice of the 90s for me and like and he's just amazing so liam gallagher and I, i've been very fortunate to meet him a few times and he's a very funny um top top bloke who never is not being Liam Gallagher like constantly got his parker on constantly just having a laugh constantly just being quite full on Liam he's, he is almost like a cartoon character of Liam he's like that the whole time but genuinely a really nice bloke as well very funny top guy amazing like musician brilliant voice icon and I think he would be top fun to have at a dinner party I mean imagine sitting him next to Skeletor yeah it'd be great <clears throat> wouldn't it 
I remember when, I remember when you, I think it was when you first met him at the Hand and Flowers, you actually rang me straight after and went, all I'm going to say is Liam Gallagher just moonwalked through the Hand and Flowers kitchen. It was so funny. So he, he had a booking, right? So we, we booked him in. So for a, band, a friend of ours, so I'm good friends with a band called The Rifles. Um, so Joel, who's the lead singer and, and the main music writer of The Rifles, is good friends with Liam, and Liam wanted to come for lunch. So we ended up getting him a table Sunday lunch. And it took a while for him to get in, but so that diaries could sink. But he was booked in at one. He got there at 11.30 in the morning. He said, I, I just got up at half five. I couldn't wait. Just got here. Started drinking espresso martinis at 11.30. He didn't sit down till one. Got Didn't once take his parker off. Got absolutely battered, right? At the end of it, right, he said, I want to come and meet the chef. Say hello to everybody. So, you know, I had a good chat with him beforehand. And he came into the kit and he just moonwalked into the hand of So you can imagine, you know what chefs are. They were like, what the fuck is going on? That's Liam Gallagher moonwalking, battered into the Hand of Flowers kitchen and then he did this thing where you know that thing where you shake your hand and you put your hand out right so he yeah. did it to Aaron who was head chef at the time he put his hand out he goes alright mate puts his hand out not obviously in a bumpkin accent it was in a Mancunian yeah. accent he put his hand out to shake his hand and Aaron goes to shake his hand and then Liam pulls it away and went Wee! Like that. And, then, <laughs> and you know Aaron you can imagine going, oh, 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 that's a joke but then Liam did it now I'm only joking and then did it again and then went Wee! and just think okay now he'll stop doing it now he did it like seven times <laughs> Aaron ate I was going, oh, God. I, and you can't not then not shake Liam Gallagher's hand. Okay? It was just like, he was like, Wee! it was just, it was amazing. And then he moonwalked back out again. It was, um, honestly, it was just, it was the best afternoon. It was, it was amazing. And to hit Liam, then we want, we did a, we did a selfie. We did a thing. He wrote a thing on Twitter about how great the Hand of Flowers was, how much fun. So I asked him when we did the Hand of Flowers cookbook, I was like, normally like chef cookbooks and you always have like really inspirational quotes by food writers or other chefs yeah. or whatever. So I was like, I, I don't want that, the foreword at the book. I want I want Liam Gallagher. I want Liam Gallagher's tweet. And he was like, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, use it. Stick the picture in, say to what, whatever you like. It was like. So the Hand of Flowers cookbook, the foreword is by Liam Gallagher. I mean, and I love that. I mean, yeah. it's just brilliant. So yeah, Liam Gallagher would definitely be there as, a, as, a, as, as guest number two. Yeah, guest number two. Who's next? Uh, next is um, Eric Cantona. Awesome. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a massive Manchester United fan, as obviously you can tell by the accent. We're very local. <laughs> <He's>, uh, <laughs> I mean, people will ask why you support Man United. Pretty much the same as you, Paul. You know, obviously a bloke pretending to come from Cornwall who lives in Kent or who was brought up, you know, Southampton. Southampton. And then, yeah. you know, you just go, okay. Well, then from my point of view, it was like, well, I'm from Gloucester and I grew up in the 80s and... In the eighties, Liverpool was the the team. Everyone supported Liverpool. Everyone was a thing, and I. So I was like, I don't know. I I just wanted to be different. So I wanted to be anti Liverpool. Like <laughs> it was like, what's what could it be? And it was it was Man United. And so I started supporting them as a little kid, and it has been the same all the way since. And never never not once, you know, wavered from it. And love watching them go up and see them. We now do work with the club. It's amazing to be a part of, and they're a magical club. But Eric Cantona was this is again a maverick strong bold yeah. character that says what he wants does what he wants got on with it and his ability irrespective of what you think of the club or as um as football you have to respect the impact that somebody had on a club like anybody goes to another football club and you go it's amazing what they've done for that for that team or what they're doing he you know he he came from Leeds for about a million quid and and really galvanised and created this team from being a really good team that was trying to get somewhere into being that amazing team that then dominated through the 90s. And he was that major, I think he was that major pivotal point of turning it around for Sir Alex Ferguson. And I also think, you know, 
Eric Cantona, he, he's, he's got that Gaelic flair. He's French. He has an understanding of art and he's passionate and he talks about food and he acts and he does. He's just got a, a kind of like a, a, a love of life that's much bigger as well. And, and I love that. Also, you know, he, he sounds like he would be very funny and quite good fun. I've never met him, but I think he'd be quite good to have around the table. He'd be wicked, especially with Skeletor and Liam Gallagher. Yeah, I mean, I'm not quite sure what Liam would make of him. You know, like as a massive Man City fan that yeah. hates Man United, it might it might just all kick off. Yeah. <laughs> next choice. So you've gone you've gone with four guests. So the first three I'm loving. This next one, yeah. Tell me about this next one. <laughs> so the next, obviously, I've gone for a cartoon character, a musician, uh, and a footballer. And I was trying to think of what. I should do. I did think maybe we should have we should have some females in, in, in around the table as well. Otherwise, it might just get a bit laddie, and yeah. then you know. And I just, I'm, I wanted someone. Strong. And you'd hate that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, I'd love it, but it was actually the PR team that said maybe you should put a female in here, otherwise you'd look like it would be too laddie. So I've decided, I thought they were right, 100%, we'd be we better fine. But I thought I, I would go somewhere. So I am really interested in politics. I do I, I do have political standpoints. I try not to voice them too much, but I, I get asked in a position where you, where you have a voice in the media and you represent an industry, when you get asked, like I've done things like Question Time and you go on Sky News and you, you try to put... Um, your ideas across of how you can help and protect an industry. Um, and I am I am not for this government. I have to say, these are not my people. I did not vote for these people. And I have never voted for these people. They are not. And I, I am all about, I have a socialist viewpoint. Um, and I do, I do believe that um, I like somebody who is strong, says what they think and stands there. And I, I'm a huge admirer and I love every time she opens her mouth, I think she speaks so much sense that connects with so many different people. And it's Jess Phillips, who's the Labour MP for, Bur for Birmingham. And she she's just um, a regional accent, um, around about my age, maybe a little bit, a touch younger, but has and is not scared of holding people to court, like saying what she means, saying what she thinks. So I'm a big, big fan of Jess Phillips. I think she's great. Yeah, nice. Speaking to you through lockdown was, um, yeah, I, I can tell you're not a fan of this government. <laughs> <clears throat> lockdown one, two, and three is pretty much. Is that how many? Be, it's I won't say. I oh. won't say. Albert. All right, Tom, you okay? No, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> this buncher. <laughs> but the thing is, right? It's not irrespective of, of political view, but party, right? Party aside, right? It doesn't matter about party. It's integrity and honesty. So. There can be Tory MPs that you you can believe in, and you you have you you trust what they're saying because they say it. They authentically believe in what they're saying, and they're doing it for the right reason. But honestly, this lot that are in charge, I I mean, it's it's just cloak dagger lie after lie it's absolute rubbish and it's all about like they, they're just constantly stroking their mates and making sure they're all right if you look at the situation now where we're trying to remove they're removing 20 pounds of, of the uplift of help and right now as gas prices are going up right now as food prices are going up like the needy the people in this country that have economic challenges all that sort of help and infrastructure it just is not there and they don't face up to the honesty of it. They don't talk like the whole Brexit conversation, right? Everything that's so many points that are going wrong with this country right now. So many of the issues that we're facing that are challenges as businesses, not just our business, but so many others are brought on by Brexit. But they're, never, they're not facing that because then they'd have to admit that the Brexit thing. I mean, I can't think of a single industry that it's helped. 
Do you know what I mean? And so they'd have to admit that they, that's wrong. And then they just keep smoothing over it, talking about stuff. And people may or may not agree with me, but honestly, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Kerridge. <laughs> Who doesn't care. <laughs> Says what he wants. <laughs> right, so guests, we are, we're at your house. Um... Which is, I'm, I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. That's we, we got a fantastic cracking view. Yeah, it's a nice place. Skeletor, <laughs> Liam Gallagher, Eric Cantona, and Jess Phillips, Labour MP. Yeah. Starter. Starter. So this is um, so one of the greatest chefs who's ever lived, um, arguably, is a guy called Paul Bacuse, who had three Michelin stars for over fifty years, who sadly passed away a few years ago. Um, and his restaurant is in Lyon, and it, it's one of those iconic, um, amazing, beautiful restaurants that so many people travel from all over the world. And it and it's we went here together, didn't we? We did go here. Together. This is the first time. This is the first time. Yeah, yeah. me and you went with our wives. At both. Yeah. So we'll point out that both of our wives were pregnant at the same time. Our kids are pretty much about the same age. My little man's a couple of months older than, than your lovely little girl. But we went at the time when both of the girls were pregnant, and we were there. We went there for lunch, and it was just. I mean, it was an amazing trip, wasn't it? It was just brilliant. And the food was so iconic. And it's 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 like old-fashioned, dated French freestyle cookery. But it was magical. Everything about it was so amazing. The, 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 the food, the restaurant. I mean, it's not like modern uh, Nordic cuisine. It is classic, old-fashioned French cookery. But it's done to perfection. And the service was magical. And just everything about it was super special. I can't remember how much it was, but we probably had to sell a leg or a kidney or something. <laughs> However, it was, it, it was so, so special. And there's a starter on there, which is... Um, it's called supo truffles, right? So it's kind of like um, it, it's it's a it's a soup that's been baked in its own kind of like little china pot with a puff pastry lid on it, and it was a dish that Paul Bocuse created for the French president in 1975, and it's been on his menu ever since. And you bake it, and the soup gets hot in the middle, and the puff pastry rises up, and it's just this magical dish that turns up in front of you, and it's uh, it's made with um, it's got veal in it, it's got this beautiful kind of stock that runs through it, and loads and loads and loads of truffle, and you won't you won't be put your spoon through the top of the puff pastry the smell that comes out of it it's just a magical magical dish and it's very very special i think it's probably one of the most iconic dishes in in, in food that's been ever ever been created yeah the moment we arrived before we'd even got in there where we were having pictures outside i mean it is it is like disneyland yeah it's disneyland for french freestyle yeah. food and it, it was incredible yeah. incredible now we're going to go on to drinks <laughs> <laughs> I've actually. This uh, is the dullest. This is this is probably turning into no? the dullest podcast answer ever. No, what I, drinks I, would I, you have? I like it. You, Ribena. You, yeah. You, <laughs> well, I like what you've put. You put these days. These are the five drinks in my life. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about it. Right? Maybe the question was, what would you drink with it? And, oh, yeah. and I'm thinking, oh, so it's clearly like a dinner party podcast. What we haven't. I'm not quite sure how it'll go down with Eric Cantona and Liam Gallagher. This, but the five drinks in my life. And I went, well, what do I drink? Right. And it is. Rye beaner, sparkling water, Diet Coke, coffee, and a Virgin Mary, right? And yeah. that is it. That's the only thing that's in my life that I drink. You know, every now and then I might finish off Little Man's Fanta, but apart from that, it's kind of like... I'm just going to add one. Yeah. When we've um, been to the chippy, you are partial to a lilt. I do love a lilt, 
Yeah. yeah. I'm just going to put hard to remember find. that one. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I do love a lilt. <laughs> I absolutely love a lilt, but it, they, they are difficult to find. Not many people stock them anymore because no. people have moved on from 1986, it turns out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's nothing better with fish and chips, is there? No, I've got to be honest, I'd go for a bongo as well if you could find it, but it, it's not around. <laughs> Well, look, I, I, you've, you've basically asked me to pick, so I'm going to go with that. Uh, I'm going to match Ribena. Right? <laughs> with Supo Truffle with from Supo Truffles. Because <laughs> it's got a, obviously, the, it's got some cubes of far gras in there, so we'll pick up that nice black currant and far gras theme going oh, on. Okay, I see what you did there. You <laughs> are I've, a Ribena sommelier. Yes, I am a Ribena. And I'm going to put about 48 cans of Stella underneath the table for Eric and Liam. Yeah, or, or if it goes really, really badly wrong yeah. and I just decide to start drinking again. Because then if it's 48 cans of Stella, I mean, we might need to order some more. Well, back in the day, that was an amuse-bouche for Tom Kerridge. 48 <laughs> cans of Stella. That was just the warm-up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I did like a Stella, i got to be honest. Yeah. I mean, my drinking days were pretty good. Yeah. The way I look at it, and it's funny because we have this conversation with our wives about the amount of hours that we work, right? Me and you, I know. We're both on the same journey. and We both run businesses. We both got restaurants. And we both do, like, ridiculous, like, 100-hour weeks. It's, you're never off work. You're always doing something. You're always being a part of it. And it's kind of like we've done like almost a full lifetime's worth of work because, you know, most people who do 40 hours Already. a week or 45 hours, we've yeah. probably done, you know, we, we must be touching on what most pe- a lot of people do throughout their whole working life. So I went with the same attitude to alcohol. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd do as m- all of it between the ages of 18 and 40 and then I haven't got to do anymore. Just got it done then. It's like getting the mise en place done in the morning. You get in, you get the tweens done, you get everything done. You haven't got to do it in the afternoon. So you can get it done. So I went with drinking in the early part of my life. So I haven't got to do it later on. I haven't got yeah. to sit down and have a nice whiskey and, and smoke a cigar and a pipe or whatever. I can just, yeah, drinking completed it, mate. Done yeah. it. Yeah. You were very good at it. <laughs> yeah, I was. You were very. I could. I can remember times feeling like, like, why, why does this feel like work going out? Like, because, <laughs> you, come on, come on, come on, let's go, let's go. And I'm like, I just, I'm, I'm not enjoying this. <laughs> well, you're not. I loved every minute yeah, I know of it. you did. I've got, I felt, I felt like I was drowning. <laughs> <laughs> Getting waterboard by bottles of Grolsch. Yes. Yeah. I get, I mean, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a, you introduced in me, right, to a Negroni. Yeah. Right, we came up to the Hand and Flowers. We were staring at the Hand and Flowers, and you were like, have one of these. They're amazing. And I had a sip of it, and it was horrific. Right? <laughs> and obviously, as well, it was a Tom Carriage measure. Yeah, I, remember, to be honest, I, I remember. I used to drink pints of it. Yeah, and I'm like, back then, I must have been like in my 30s, and I'm like, why am I, why am I even acting like I've, I'm pretending to drink this? Like I'm an adult. <laughs> You're but like you were like you were just so like drink it, drink it. It's amazing. Or was it like peer group pressure when we were like yeah, 13? I smoke it, this. I smoke it, it. Do it now. Yeah. Smoke it. I took it back to the room and put it down your beautiful hand sink. <laughs> it was like, I was like Emma, that well, is horrific. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. You owe me 16 quid for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, was, yeah that was 32 quid. <laughs> oh yeah, it was my portion. It was your portion. (laughs) Right, so let's just have a little recap. We've got Skeletor, Liam, Eric, Jess Phillips at your house. We've had the most amazing soup, which I can vouch for is worldly. Um, I've matched it with Ribena. Um, (laughs) Now, this podcast is also all about the music, and I couldn't wait to have you on because I know you are such a music fan. And before we say, or before you tell us what this tune is, we're sat here in Warner Music and like, 
you know, with two music gurus. You know, I can't talk about music in front of because they're just professionals, but they're blown away and inspired by this first this first track to the playlist. Yeah, so um, it's a Manchester band called The Slow Show, um, and they're uh, a little bit. I suppose they're a little bit like the National. If you know the National, it's kind of like a really gravelly, iconic voice, um, beautiful singer. Um, amazing kind of just guitar music that it, it, you can't help but fall in love with. And so some of the tunes are so, so magical. You just get sucked into this wonderful world. Um, and I'm a huge, like you say, I'm a huge fan of music. I love musicians. I love the skill set that people have. I love, listen, I love full on dance music. I love tunes. I love things that have been all produced and put together. But there's something quite um, special about someone playing a guitar and singing a song that they've put together that you just can't help but like almost stops you in your tracks and gets sucked into this little world of like someone it's like it's almost like someone making bread or brewing beer or yeah. you know completely bit, agree meat prep or 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 you know it it's where it's a it's where it's a artisanal trade that has become something that they've fallen in love with listen we're chefs because we love it it's not because it's something we do to make money right we're very lucky that we've made money from it but we fell into that job because we went i love doing this this yeah. is great this is magic i can get sucked into <clears> this world and when some of the best musicians they're always the same it's not about the money they make it's not about what they do there are some obviously that just want to become famous but actually when you come across musicians that are just doing it because they love being a musician and the slow show is a band that's exactly the same and this is a track called dry my bones and it kind of um it kind of resonates quite a lot with me because obviously it's about an, an issue with alcohol and not being able to um control yourself or get sucked into the world of uh of booze and how it how it can control your life because it becomes um when, when you're a, a drinker and a real heavy drinker it is something that is it's your escape route. It's probably, it's probably the only point. So we've built businesses and, and, and done everything since I stopped drinking because it becomes self-obsessive. It's the only point when you drink that you're only, that's your escape. It's, it's all about you. It's all about the next drink. It's all about you're thinking about you. And this is kind of a song that is all about that, of trying to coming out the other side and saying, like, it's not about, I'm trying to get to grips with it. And it's one of those things that you, many people who have issues with drink or any form of addiction will tell you that it's something they have to deal with every day. Sometimes it's very, very easy. Sometimes it's a lot harder, but it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a track that really um, ticks all of those boxes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously I've been sort of on that kind of, in, on that journey with you and seeing you make that transition to, you know, to what you've done. And I think like, you know, one of, I remember when you started to kind of calm down and eat well and exercising and it was it was amazing to watch someone like yourself change like you have but also as well some of the things that make me laugh like when you said it, the original idea was to sort of stop drinking every day and just drink when you and Beth went to see a band yeah and you went to see a band seven times in the first week yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then that didn't work out so you were like tell you what like I like the taste of it. I'll um I'll go on to like non-alcoholic lagers like Bex Blue. I oh, so yeah, this is the story. Tell right? tell, tell this it. story which I love. So it's <laughs> so I can't like it's not just the association. It's the association of everything to do with it. It's not the mind bending effect that alcohol has. It's everything you get. 
So I met Beth. It was at, at 9.30 on a Saturday night. We finished sending, all of them was about to send the last main course. I said, listen, let's just pop into town quickly and go and have a quick drink. So Beth still drinks. Went into town, got a gin and tonic, and we, it was a really busy pub, and there was an energy in the atmosphere, and it was like, it was like, like being out, out again. And I was like, I'll tell you what, I might just have a, a non-alcoholic, let's just have a non-alcoholic beer, I'll have a Bex Blue, I'll just have, that'll be all right. So I had what, and it, the, the the smell, the noise of the bottle opening, the thing, just every, like, your, my mind just went straight. I did, I did eight of them in 20 minutes. I was on it. I was just like, I was like, I was like, on it, I am, we are on this. Well, come on, let's go, we are on it. There's no alcohol in it. It was just everything about it was just like, like I said to Beth, we've got to go home now, this is just ridiculous. I am, this is just mental. And I'm, I'm really good friends with um, Russell Brand and he lives nearby and he's such a lovely guy and we meet each other every, quite often. And obviously Russell's had a lot of his issues that he talks about completely openly. And I was telling him this story and he looked at me and he just went, you know, that's not normal, don't you? And I just went, okay, yeah. So if Russell Brand's telling me that's not normal, there is clearly, there's clearly something not right in my head in the association. It's not even alcohol and I'm getting on it. I so mean, I was like, I was if like, Russell okay. Brand's saying that, that, that that's time to be scared isn't it yeah i was like okay so we won't do that again was hence why it's ribena <laughs> coffee lilt when you can find and it lilt if i can get a time machine back to 1986 <laughs> <laughs> fat skeletal bring the lilt yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he said he, dro he dro dropped us a text going do i need to bring anything for the dinner party i went yeah lilt mate <laughs> love it right so starters have gone down well guests are having a great time well, we hope they're having a great time. <laughs> they are, but then I've just put on a, sat, a song from the slow show called Dry My Bones, so they're all getting slightly depressed about alcoholism whilst they're drinking 48 cans of Stella and I'm having a Virgin Mary. Yeah. So it's not actually that uplifting a start, is it? <laughs> Let's hope the sugar rush from the Ribena sort of stuff out. <laughs> they're sat there going, God, this is a little bit awkward, isn't it? This dinner party, you know, get invited round here. I like Liam Gallagher's just staring at Eric Cantona because they're not talking. And... And now we're listening to a song about alcoholism and Tom's drinking Lil. Yeah. <laughs> and and Jess is talking about... Um, yeah, Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson. <laughs> is she talking well, about him see, or I, she's I, shouting yeah, about Yeah, him? I can see the look on your face. I'm moving on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm moving on. <laughs> I've just said the Boris B in. word. <laughs> Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> right, let's get on to the main course. Take it away. <laughs> I think this is the next therapy session. <laughs> yeah, this is £87 steak from the Hand and Flowers. Yeah. It's on the menu at £87. Yeah. 
Uh, and we got, it, it was a, it's, it, we future proofed pricing. So obviously right now, so when you might be listening to this podcast at a completely different point, you might be listening to it in two years from the point of recording it, an £87 steak sounds like it's fucking cheap. Because <laughs> right now, food prices are going bananas and ridiculous. And we've got a point in hospitality at the minute where um, VAT has been cut, but it is coming back. So you've got, uh, and there's also a massive staff shortage. 400,000 people have left the industry. And there's lots of places out there that are throwing stupid money around as wages and salaries and all sorts of things for people to go. And you go, well, we can't, this is, I mean, for me, it's daft because, you know, we're recording this in September, come January and February when it all goes quiet again. And, you know, staycations aren't a thing next year when a lot of people can actually go on holiday and do whatever else. Those salaries are unsustainable. VAT is back. Everything, nothing is, nothing sits right. Also, that £87 steak, people don't understand that we t you take a whole sirloin, but there's only actually half of it that you can really use so that it guarantees in a two Michelin-style restaurant that every steak is perfect. So one end of the of a sirloin, it goes thinner. And, and, and it, so you buy the whole lot because you buy it for, per weight. So if you're taking that middle bit, the only fat bit, the, the other bits are wastage, all right? And you go, okay, so just so you, we've all had it. When you go to a restaurant, you have a ribeye steak, you have a sirloin steak, you even have a fillet steak. That the, It's just the end bit, and it's not quite as perfect looking as a pig that you imagine mm. this way you guarantee that every single steak is amazing everyone is beautiful the flavor of it is fantastic we get it from one of the best suppliers in the country who hand selects the, the the finest beef for us that they can absolutely find you know and you go okay all of this has a price point to it and also at the hand of flowers not all the other restaurants but the hand of flowers we don't add any service charge so all of the wages everything is included so we pay our staff really nicely we pay them a proper wage and we don't give them tips, right? Because there is no tips. All of it is included. We don't give you a bill and then say there's 12.5% service charge or 15% service charge on the end because that's all confusing. Because then some people don't want to pay it, some people do. Staff, you know, for their point of view, that's not counted as part of their wages, which means we've got a lot of staff that have been with us for years that want to get mortgages, want to get loans, want to get whatever else. They can't guarantee what they're getting in terms of tips or whatever. So none of it, it all kind of counts against them. The, the mentality that tipping should be a thing, that service is different. You know, if I, I'll leave you a tip if you're good at your job. Actually, <laughs> you're coming to a restaurant where people are just doing their job. You know, all of it should be included, I think. You know, I just think it's all part of the package. You know, that's that's everything. So all of this price is included. It, it, it's everything. It is the best beef. The difference between it being a... Uh, it, I use the analogy of a car, right? And you can buy a second-hand Ford Focus, right? You can buy you can you can buy a brand new Ford Focus. Lovely motor, does the same thing, it'll get you up and down the M6, it's no bother. Or you can buy a Bentley, right? Which is, you know, you both go at 70 mile an hour, probably. You you know, you it but one of them is hand stitched, finished by craftsmanship, built and drives like a dream. And the other one is mass produced. But it does the job. Same. So one of it is supermarket. The other one is artisanal, right? Yeah. And you go, okay, which one do you want? And that's the choices that you're making. But we got, I got so much, like, abuse from it on Twitter. On um, I got emails from around the world about how disgraceful and disgusting my prices were. And, and I was like, we, we do live in a choice society here. I mean, I got an email from a man abusing me from Canada. I was like... 
I mean, I sent him an email back going, I, I don't quite understand why the price of my steak, the other side of the world from you, is upsetting you so much that you have to write me a really abusive email. You're not getting on a £3,000 plane ticket to come to the UK. To, I'm not making you eat my steak. It's not like I've put your gas prices up. Yeah. It's not like I've put your rent up. It's not like I'm charging your mortgage or your interest rate. I'm like going, this is the price of the steak that's on the website that is in the two Michelin star hand of flowers, the only pub in the world with two Michelin stars. You can make that choice with staff, front of house staff that have been there for 10, 12, 15 years, chefs that have been there for the same amount of time. You know, you can make that choice or not. Like, it, I've never, I, I mean, I get shouted at a lot on Twitter. I de- do, there's a lot of idiots out there. We see it on social media all yeah. the time. But this one was just bananas. It was like it was unreal. However, I know how good that fucking steak is. Yeah. That's why it's the main course that I'm serving to Eric Cantona, <laughs> Jess Phillips, Liam Gallagher and Skeletor. I mean, it'll go down a dream. Yeah, absolutely. And what, what, what does it come with? Because it's not just a steak, is it? No, it comes with, like, like someone pointed out on Twitter, seven chips, is that all you get? And yeah. some Bernays sauce and some onion rings. Yeah. However, the, the chips, I mean, when they say seven chips, it is like a, at least a potato and a half's worth of... So when people go, yeah, you only get seven chips, it's not like a bag of chips from the chippy, is it? This It's like if you do a jacket potato at home, right, that's the same amount of potato. Do you have, like... Eight potatoes. If you have jacket potatoes, and, uh, like it's just, uh, I don't people's mentality of how many chi- they count the chips. It's yeah. actually the volume of potato. What are you talking about? Like yeah. people, people's attitude to some stuff is banana. So it, it comes with triple cooked chips. Comes with onion rings, Bernays sauce. Yeah. Well, I mean, <clears throat> triple cooked in itself, the skill, the labour. Well, it's all the, of it is work. All of it. I think the thing that to for me to just to add to that, I mean, I know that dish. I've had that dish. It's phenomenal. One of the things that we really enjoy down in Cornwall with we, you know with our butcher Philip Warren is the dry aging. Now, if you have that, you know, if you have most people see that that steak in the supermarket, but the price. Like you say, to just choose the middle cut of the sirloin is is so artisanal. It's you know you're you're going for the very best bit. That then the price of the sauce is phenomenal. How much the sauce costs to make, but when you dry age, you're obviously shrinking that piece of meat. You're removing the water content, so then your the value the the butcher has to make his money on it because he's essentially shrinking a product. <laughs> yeah, to give you to, to then but to make the flavour phenomenal. So there's there's a also, lot of beef, stuff. That cattle's probably 18 months old before it's been cold, right? Yeah. So, so you go, so that's 18 months of growing and an expensive thing, looking after something. It goes through a, a slaughterhouse process. So you can use it, you can, you can feed it cheap food. You can grow it for 18 months, fine. Not look after it, not care about it, right? Uh, one person looks after a load of cattle that throws them cheap food, no worries for 18 months. Then they take them to a slaughterhouse where no one cares, where there's one bloke who's just slaughtering them and not worrying about the animal husbandry at all, what's going on. Then it just gets chopped up, packed up and served super cheaply, right? That's fine. That cuts everything. Or you can have animal husbandry that's been completely cared for looked after had a really well happy life also has been fed fantastic food then it's go to a slaughterhouse with skilled people there that means that there's no stress there's no you know the animal is completely looked after right all the way to the end then it's the butchery process which is a high skilled job then there's the aging process i mean 28 days in a, in a fridge, right? Dry aging. That sounds like, yeah, you just stick it in the fridge for 28 days, but it's constant movement. It's airflow. It's okay. Somebody physically has to do that. That look after that, that process from start to finish 
all has value. And if you don't give that value, and it could be, and we're talking about it here as a piece of beef, but it's the same with any bit of food. You can, do, you can talk about the same with carrots. You can talk about the same with peas in the summer. You can talk about strawberries. You can talk about, it can be anything. The husbandry, the, the way that it's looked after, the way that it's picked, the way that it's, all of those sorts of, they all have human values to them. And that is all an expense. And at the end of the day, when you get it, it is a better product than a mass-produced one. So that, it, you know, it, it, it isn't like for like. You can't just say a steak from Waitrose costs this and a steak of and flowers costs that. And then on top of that, you know, you have to have someone serve it, you know, recommend wine, clear the plate, wash it up. Someone has to cook it. Then you've got gas. Then you've got electricity. Then you've got all of the other additional costs that run go with a restaurant. I mean, the most expensive one is actually Blue Roll, which is the stuff that the chefs used to clean their sections down with. If I bought shares in Blue Roll many, many years ago, I wouldn't have to be doing this podcast right now, honestly. <laughs> I'd be living in the Bahamas. Just saying, you're not getting paid for this podcast. Eh? You're not getting paid. Okay. And at this point, <coughs> I'm leaving the building. <laughs> <laughs> and you can go on your website and, ch- and look at and look at the menu and choose whether you want to go or not. Yeah, and I just got to be honest, the £87 steak has now gone up to 94 because I've got to make up for the being here this morning. <laughs> but Skeletor, Liam Gallagher... Um, Eric Cantona and Jess are getting it for free. They are, they <laughs> they are, are getting, getting it, it for, for free, free as well. And I'm not even going to ask him to wash up. <laughs> right. So remind me what we're going to what we're going to have with that. Um, well, I think so, we'll just have the Virgin Marys now. Yeah, Virgin Mary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or oh, rock and roll. Now rock we've moved roll. on. Ribena to Virgin Mary. Let's yeah, go. Let's have the Virgin oh, Marys. That, my, it's got to be super spicy though. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Nice. Nice. What's next on your playlist? Uh, so we talked about it, and Liam Gallagher's there, but Supersonic for me is like that, that first track when they burst onto the scene and that, that attitude, that energy. And I remember seeing him, it might have been on The Words. Do you remember The Words? Yeah. Like they, they come up, and just this um, real I do not care energy that came from that track, and Liam singing it with the microphone above his face and his <laughs> arms behind his back, and just like, I don't care what you think of this song. I know it's fucking great. Just listen. And I just remember thinking, what what, what a belter. I mean, it's unbelievable. And that album definitely may be. It's, it's, I mean, I would say it's got to be the best debut album to have ever come out, like from any band. I just think it's just the way that it just absolutely smashed everything it was just unbelievable and when Liam came for for lunch that time I got him to sign my an LP copy of it and it was just you know it's just everything about it is so edgy so rock and roll it was so new it touched so many people and it was it was such a special special album and that track is just it kind of just sums up the whole energy of of what Oasis were about for me amazing amazing I couldn't agree more absolutely love that song Right, let's move on to desserts. <laughs> yeah. This, this is a belter. <laughs> this is a, and I'm in total agreement. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was a number of things that I was thinking of for dessert. You know, there could be, uh, I mean, uh, I quite like a Solero. Yeah. I, uh, this has memories for me because growing up as a kid, we didn't go to posh restaurants. Like, my, my, when my dad, my dad wasn't into food like that. Um, but... So going out was a beef eater or a Bernie in, but sometimes on a Friday we'd have a family feast from KFC. Yeah. And this 
what you've picked came with it. Yeah, so actually, yeah, it, for me, <laughs> I mean, there was two things. One, I could have gone, uh, like, if you were making pudding at home as a kid, right? I, yeah. I mean, I, I was thinking of cho choosing uh, Bird's Eye Butterscotch Delight. Angel Lovely. Delight because it, it like I mean it's a, it's a good in that and I loved that as a kid it was amazing you used to set it in the bowls and it was delicious do you remember Sarah Lee yeah oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean they were amazing you know, I used to eat them before they were defrosted you yeah. just eat them frozen <laughs> they're still hard in the middle but this for me was because um uh, I mean it's the finest dessert recreated created of all time and it's a Viennetta yeah and I love a Viennetta right and you're not making this by the way are you we're we're buying no, it in we hundred percent great yeah hundred <laughs> percent so but also Viennetta was Wall's ice cream factory was in Gloucester, right? Yeah. So um, loads of my mates, when they left school, went to work at Wall's Ice Cream and make, make ice creams, right? So the big factory was there and they were making it. And the v I remember going in to meet my mate Neil one day and his health and safety wouldn't be the same now. You just go in there and they go, yeah, I stick that white coat on if you like, go and see Neil on there. I like, and you go, all right, mate. Like, and you hang out and chat to him for five minutes. And they, it would be made in this massive long, like factory lines and lines and lines of this like cream that goes down and then the chocolate spraying and the cream and, the, and you just be, you, it was like a kid's train set of Viennetta going through the factory. And it was like, it was amazing. And I, so Neil, I was blown away by the piping. Yeah. I mean, that piping today is is Cedric Grillo. Oh, yeah, it's magic, <laughs> isn't it? It's, yeah, it's honestly, incredible. It's unbelievable. I, so flavour-wise, I mean, it's vanilla and chocolate. It's delicious. Yeah. It's it's um, it's um quite sweet when we look back at it in retrospect. I'd, I'd probably drop the sugar content down a little bit if I was sticking on in the end of flowers. However, I mean, it's suit. I love it. And I remember, I remember going in when Neil first got his job there. So that was my best mate at school. He got his job at Walls Ice Cream. And when I was like, oh, mate, I mean, obviously I've always been like the fat kid at school and played a lot of rugby. And I was like, ice cream? He's like, yeah. Like, I, I could, you, get, you can eat as many ice creams as you like. I went, well, really? He goes, yeah, you stand on, you, you can just eat them. I was like, no way. He goes, yeah. And I thought that would be the amazing job. And I know why they do it, right? And they did it because day one, Neil's like eating 27 ice creams. Day two, he's only eating 16. Day three, he's going, I never want to see an ice cream again in my life. Yeah. That's it. I'm not eating anymore. There's no more ice creams. That's it. I'm done with eating ice creams. So I just thought it would be the best job ever. So, so yeah, watching Viennetta get made, mad skills. Actually eating a Viennetta is amazing, but it is like one of those retro family kind of things. When you talk about it there, you talk about, uh, you had it with a KFC and it came as part of the family uh, bargain bucket box, <laughs> whatever it is. But for me, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, Viennetta, what a great way to end the evening. I love it. And I know what I'm matching with it. 1987 Vintage Lilt. Oh, yeah. Would you? Yeah, nice and fruity. Um, Just to go more more sweetness. Yeah, see, I'd swear <laughs> if that, I'm afraid. At this point, this is where I'm having the coffee. This is this is the point where I'm having coffee. I'm going... going and I'll I tell mean, you what, I, we I, could go gastro... We could go a bit affogato, couldn't we? We could pour espresso over it. That would be quite nice. However, I think the ice cream's so soft, it would just dissolve. It would just... Yeah. like I don't even think it's real ice cream, is it? I think it's just like... It's whipped up like white stuff that's got loads of sugar in. But hey, you know... but. Even and I would go coffee. You've obviously gone for lilt. At this point, so there's still alcohol in my house, right? So yeah. it's still there. There's an alcohol cupboard there that I just don't touch or go near. So at that point, I would be then offering Skeletor, Liam Gallagher and Eric Cantar and just um, some after-dinner drinks. So I would probably be offering them some, I don't know, 
I mean, it wasn't at the time, but maybe a, a now a nine-year-old vintage uh, whiskey that's got a tiny little bit in the bottle, you know, and then where there's all gone crusty around the top, you know, some of that. Maybe there's some expensive brandy there still. I mean, there might be a, a there's a selection. There might even be a half bottle open of wine somewhere from nine <laughs> years ago. Like this is where they could get after dinner drinks. We could make cocktails with whatever's left over from nine years ago whilst I drink coffee. Yeah, I love it. I, I, I've not seen that drinks cabinet. I'm going to have to have a look at that when I go. <laughs> yeah, I show, I mean, you, you can just feel. Stopped. You can feel. For, yeah, I just start. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's it's like there was a nuclear holocaust, and then everyone. It's, it's like Chernobyl. Like all of a sudden, like it's ended, and then when the, there's you know there's like loads, loads of documentaries of people going back there now, and they're visiting people's houses, and it's like it's set in time, and you go, no way, this is from. It's like a time capsule from, and you go. It would be the same thing. You open that drinks cabinet and you go, oh, yeah, this is where Tom stopped. Yeah. It, however, there aren't many full bottles in there. I, got I was just going to say as well, you know, like how people have something like Benedictine, <laughs> yeah. right? But if that was in your, even that would just have a little bit left in it. Because <laughs> yeah, you drank anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there were definitely times when I would have got back from the pub at like three or four in the morning. Oh, when Benedictine. Oh, limoncello. <laughs> always want that at three, four in the morning with a Rustler's microwave burger. Yeah. <laughs> Mind you, we could have, but that's a, that's a whole different. If I do this podcast again, let's do it pretend, let's do drunk podcast. Yeah. And let's do what I would have been drinking then with the food that I'd have been eating then. Because some of these choices would be very, very different. Very, very different. <laughs> I think main course would have been a Rustlers. Yeah, main course would have been a Rustlers. <laughs> or and, a Chicago town, yeah. Deep Phil. <laughs> yeah. And starters. Starters would have been three cans of Stella whilst in the shower. We're getting ready to go out. And uh, a packet of, like, a whole tube of Pringles. <laughs> Even if you didn't, just say yes. Did you actually? Did you actually drink Stella whilst having a shower? Hundred percent. Yeah. Why is that so weird? Like, hundred like percent. I, I have t- known you for twenty years. I've, I've, like, <laughs> I, I always knew about the twenty-four pack in the back of the boot for emergencies and a bottle of gin <laughs> and a bottle of gin. But I never knew about. I never knew about Stella in the shower. Yeah, I'd have. I'd have a shower whilst drinking cans of Stella. It, I'll tell you what. I perfected being able to drink whilst your head's in the shower and not getting the water from the shower head into the can whilst you're drinking it. I was very, very good at it. <laughs> Just gonna have a. Couple of seconds silence there to let that sink in. <laughs> when I right. say these things out loud and I look back at that time, I go, oh my God. I, I Like at some points, I think that was just off the scale of how mental my life was. Yeah. I miss that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I can see. I can see the glimmer in your eyes. I do miss him. But I, mean, I, 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 mean, I, I miss him, but I also fant- think, what a dickhead. This is a fantasy dinner party, so yeah. he could he could make an appearance Actually, just for this. He could be there. Couldn't he? He could be there and I'll be there as me, and he would also be there. I've got to be honest though, I think I'd hate me. I think <laughs> I'd go, You're a dick. <laughs> yeah. Skeletor, can you get him to leave, please? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're making Skeletor look like an alright guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Skeletor, could you could you escort me from the premises, please? <laughs> Oh, Liam, moonwalk him out, will you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, Vianetta. 
Yeah. We've gone we've gone coffee. I've gone lilt. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. And the rest of the guys are just drinking the remnants of what's left in my alcohol cupboard from nine yeah. years ago. Yeah, Tom Kerridge version one yeah. has arrived. Yeah. <laughs> like smashed. Yeah. He's just yeah, he's just sorry I'm late. I was too busy drinking Stella in the shower. Have I missed the steak? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Oh, what's in this cupboard? <laughs> what's uh, what we're gonna what we're gonna put on the playlist? What are we uh Well since old me is turned up, I'm yeah. gonna put in uh Jump Around by House of Pain. Tune. Because it's a proper banger, it's amazing. Yeah. It reminds you of nights out and when you go out with the you know, the whole team after work or whatever else, and you end up in a pub and something like this comes on, it's just brilliant. I mean it's a real um high energy, slightly aggressive, mosh pity kind of jumping, sweaty bodies, having a really good time night out in a pub, the sort of thing that you wake up in the morning. A track like this gives you a reason for having a headache in the morning. Yeah. And by now as well, Jess has thought, do you know what? Bollocks to it. I'm joining in. Yeah, <laughs> like 100%. It. She is on it with all of you. <laughs> I, I, to be honest, I think she'd be the leader anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right. This next question. Listen, you've got three Michelin stars. You created Now, let's point that out properly, right? Because you say that out loud, like I have a restaurant with three Michelin stars. That's not true. Gordon Ramsay has three Michelin stars. Claire Smith has three Michelin stars. Ellen DeRose has three Michelin stars. Alain Rue has three Michelin stars. Uh, Heston Blumenthal, three Michelin stars, right? I have got three Michelin stars over two restaurants. Very different. So I've got yeah. two in one, one in another. I am not a three-star chef. I was going to go on to that, but you've, right, you've, done, that bit, you've done that bit for me. But oh, thank old you. Tom's back. Old <laughs> Tom's back. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, can you fuck off? Yeah. <laughs> like, I know you've been drinking Stella in the shower, but... Like. <laughs> um. We both know, we both know what Michelin means to us in our industry. If you had to award someone in the music industry, who would it be? Who would you give? And you can really elaborate on this. I normally go with like one Michelin star, but one, two or three Michelin stars, who would you award that to in the music industry? So it's a singer-songwriter called John Bramwell, who is a magical um, human being. Actually, if you meet him, he's just... He's a proper musician, you know, likes to travel around in a in a um camper van. He goes to he goes to festivals. He like the to, one in Breaking Bad? Yeah, a little bit like Breaking yeah. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he's a but a proper singer-songwriter from Manchester, has been around for ages. He um his big band breakthrough, or I mean, there's a lot of people will know him if you like that sort of music, is it from a band called I Am Clute? And his lyrics are so clever. They're so well put together. He's very, very special on stage on his own. He's so engaging. If you go and see him in concert, he talks, he engages with people. Um, his tracks are magical. And he is, he's very, very special, a craftsman. You know, uh, can stand on stage with him and a guitar and is um, tuneful, soulful, heart-renderingly beautiful music. Um, Funny as well, the tracks that take you on journeys. Um, I am Clute as a band isn't around anymore, but he still produces. He still works as John Bramwell. He still and sings Clute songs and does whatever. Um, and him for me is a little bit like. So in the chef world, somebody. I mean, someone who we all, we both know very well is a great great cook. That quite often doesn't get recognised for his knowledge and his skill set and how magical is is Anthony Dimitri. Yeah. So Anthony had Mission Stars for. 
for years at Wild Honey and Arbutus. But when you speak to Anthony, his understanding of food and where it comes from and his self-teaching, he's the most knowledgeable. Like if you were on uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and you needed someone for, for you know, phone a friend, Anton is the guy, particularly when it comes to food. He, he just knows so much about world cuisine and an understanding and he's travelled and he's seen. And John Bramwell is very similar in that he, would just, he just knows stuff about Music. Yeah. He's so, so clever. He's so mad. And Anthony is very, very similar. Now, and does that mean that John Bramwell is only a one star musician? No, I think he's a three star musician. But it's not polished. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's not sharp. It's not shiny. It's not, you know, tourists don't go and look out John Bramwell. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But actual real musicians, real foodies know Anthony and real people, real music people know John Bramwell. So John Bramwell for me is one of the most magical, amazing musicians that this country's ever had. I think he's incredible. So he's worthy of all the Michelin stars in the world for music. Yeah, amazing. That's why I love the analogy with it because not all free stars are like, famous like that they've just they've just got these incredible technicians in there yeah and you know quite often you'll see some of the best food experiences and we've had it we talk about this all the time you know it's not always about the showmanship and sitting down for four hours on a big tasting menu that's got free mission stuff some of the best food experiences i've had have been street food sat on plastic chairs in an alley at 4am in Singapore with a load of other chefs having some fantastic things cooked by one guy in a wok and you yeah. go amazing or some um, some tacos and or that I had in a taco shack in Tucson in Arizona and it, they were just some of the most flavoursome magical magical food and it's not polished it's not sharp it's just heartfelt amazing and that's where john bramwell comes in he's, yeah. he's the same as that it's ma- magical magical food that isn't always about it being perfection it's about it being touching and pulling heartstrings and really connecting tom carriage always so honest i love you to bits mate thank you so much for coming on can we and... put old tom back can it can i can i get rid of like d- the drunk stupid tom that's just turned up right at the end can we get rid of him again can skeletor escort him from the premises because he can't come back he's not allowed out he's no, not allowed out but you know what once this once this party finally comes to an end which with you would probably be in about four days time <laughs> right he'll just disappear into the sunset <laughs> again, no. never to come out again. In fact, old Tom and Skeletor will be in an old convertible. Uh, yeah. And just Thelma and Louise it. Just disappear. <laughs> yeah. That's great. And then hopefully it won't be anything like uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where they, 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 they just open up this cage at some point at the end and it, it comes out again like this horrible demon. We, just, we, we need to just make him go away forever. I possibly think you've probably pickled and cured yourself <laughs> so, so good that you will just preserve for thousands of years <laughs> so at some point at some point an archaeological dig will turn out and they'll find this thing and go oh what's this and they'll be able to resurrect it and it'll be it'll be a little bit like jurassic park where they brought it back and it'll just be the worst decision they've ever made it will shut it all down shut it down, and it'll be too late yeah, Skeletor and old Tom are back. Your tiny little liver will be cured, and I thought you were going to say brain. Then, yeah, yeah, all brain, <laughs> all brain, cured in a dictator's walking stick, <laughs> surrounded by glass. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Carriage.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 